Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Tim Petrop, as always, here with the only twin that's wearing glasses over his sexy blue eyes that makes his blue eyes kind of like not be shown. Which I wear I'm not glasses down with. when I'm home. When <laughs> I'm not outside, I wear glasses. Why are you speaking like that? I don't know. <laughs> that's how people with glasses speak. No, You're, I will. I don't wear these glasses outside because they're ridiculous. I I like them. They're cool. No, they're not the best. I mean, they they were really. I bad got them a like few years ago. Three. Yeah, I got them. I got to get new glasses. I got them like two years ago. It was like the one of the cheapest pair because I don't wear them outside. So I was like, why am I gonna pay for expensive glasses? But now I want to get like legitimate glasses. Michael's got one of those color eyes where if he wears a blue shirt, his eyes are super blue. And if he wears a green shirt, his eyes are super green. If he wears a gray shirt, he gets gray eyes. You don't These get a, eyes. You don't get a red shirt with red eyes, though, which that would be dope. That would be crazy if you had that red eyes. Uh, <laughs> Just DC flames, <laughs> like in my chorea, uh, cornea or whatever. <laughs> well, today we have a special guest for you, Mr. Nando. Nando DeFino of Nando the Athletic. Nando DeFino of The Athletic. Guest. Yes, uh, if you are in the fantasy landscape at all and you want to learn from the best, he's one of the best to learn from. Also, if you're a fantasy football fan, you probably follow him. He's going to be joining us on the Real Recognized or Real Hotline. Baseball. Or fantasy baseball. We do talk about a little fantasy baseball with him, so we're going to it's, – it's, it's like the large chunk is, is, foot, is football, but at the very end we talk some baseball with him. So if you're into a, some baseball leagues, um, you know, you could – you could listen to that because he's the best in the business, so uh, you can learn a lot from him. And, uh, yeah, so today what we have on deck is that on the Real Recognize, Recognize Real podcast. But before we do that, we're going to get into some of the NFL news that has broken since we last talked to you. So, without any further ado, the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast begins now. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Char. Charmander. Spitting flames. That that was not how I expected the show to begin. <laughs> I don't know. I was gonna. I was thinking in my head, like, how could I say we're about to spit some flames? And do you know who spits flames? Charmander does. Charizard does. <laughs> Which, by the way, I gotta. You know, Pokemon cards and and uh, like basketball cards, baseball cards. They're they're making a rise. You know that, right? Cards always kind of go in and out. Yeah, but popularity. they're they're in right now. They are. They're in. very in. Uh, and we have a fucking Charizard. We got a like a first edition, like Blastoise, and we got all this crap. We got to sell it. We got to find it. We're basketball at, cards too. Basketball cards. Oh man, my basketball cards collection is is top notch. I got a, I got three Tim Duncan rookie cards. I have a Kobe Bryant rookie card. Uh, R.I.P. to Kobe Bryant. Well, that shot up in value. Yeah. So I got to find those. They're somewhere. They're somewhere out there. Um, but speaking of uh value we're trying to find you value in fantasy football in the dead months of fantasy football we will walk through the fantasy football valley with you um so here are some news uh, a lot of these are just rumors but we're going to give you our our take on it uh first we don't usually talk about defense but in this case he's a star so we'll talk about it josh norman signs a one-year eight million dollar deal with the <laughs> buffalo bills using um, star very loosely there tim what are you adam schefter and we're talking about leonard williams <laughs> he's doing calling josh norman a star well josh norman before last year let's put it a star last year one of the lowest greatest corner uh, lowest graded uh cornerbacks according to pff in fact he was the third to last graded cornerback uh, of anyone in PFF Let's last just year. put it this way, because cornerbacks rarely decline this much and then return back to form without yes. like an injury of some sorts. I mean, Josh Norman was fine last year from what it seems. I am ecstatic as a Jet fan that the Bills signed Josh Norman because that is just wasted cap space on a bad cornerback. So you think, uh, are you are you more likely to play someone against the, the Bills defense now that they have Josh Norman? I mean, Robbie Anderson has said he's in talks with the Jets. We'll get to, we'll get to that. All right, all right. Stop, stop, uh, cock blocking my my news here. If if Robbie Anderson could get lined up against Josh Norman and Tre'Davious White lines up on someone else for a play or two, he could uh, capitalize on that. Yes. Um, Trent Williams, the tackle who held out for six weeks with the Washington Redskins, he's looking for twenty million dollars a year. 31 years old. What kind of difference can Trent Williams make on a running game wherever he goes? And a passing game is a left tackle. 
I mean, Trent Williams, yes, he's 31 years old. He's getting up there in age, but he just sat a whole year off. It's not like he it's not like he played last year. So he's kind of like a 30-year-old because he was still working out and stuff. Like, there's videos online of Trent Williams, like, just lifting a ridiculous amount of weight over and over. And uh, so anywhere he goes, he's going to be a big help right away. I'm just scared that a team's going to give him three or four years and then the decline comes because he is 31. Once he turns, like, 32, 33, maybe 34, depending – how long this glory could last for him. It could be interesting to see how much uh, dead space a team ends up losing with him. But for this year, I'd be very happy if uh, if a team like the, like the uh, what's it called? The Bengals, for example. Like if you're a Joe Mixon truther, you should be very happy if they go and get Trent Williams. Yeah, for sure. Or even like the Jets, Giants. The Jets, yeah. yeah, someone who needs a tackle real bad. I think they said the Jets were... Interested in Trent Williams, but for twenty million a year, that's that's I mean, a bit much. If you're the, you got a lot of cash space. If you're the Jets, and you have no offensive line. You're I mean, Zach Martin paying. is the real get. Whoever yeah, signed Zach Martin. Uh, yeah, Zach Martin, the guard from the former guard, for, guard from the Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, Marshall Yonda. Speaking of guards, he retires after thirteen season with the Ravens. Now the Ravens have a lot of good players, and the Ravens always seem to re up their line. And you saw them lose uh, Zadarius Smith and um, other Smith. What's his first name? I can't remember. Um, the the Smith brothers is what yeah. I call them. It's 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 the off season, ladies and gentlemen. I'm but they lost both Smiths from their uh, linebacking core. Um, they lost um, again. I'm I'm blanking. The guy who signed with the the Jets. Uh, holy moly, C.J. Mosley. C.J. Mosley. Duh. They lost all three of those guys, and then they get replaced. Matthew Judon looks like he's gonna leave as as well. Um, you called Matthew Judon last year, though. I did. Thank you for giving thought, me credit. I thought it was strange that you said Matthew Judon was gonna like take the step up. Uh, I was like, that's a that's a weird call. But he ended up taking a nice step up. <laughs> I was. I'm telling you, I was all over Matthew Judon. No one wanted to listen. <laughs> it to was me, a even, little weird. Even on VM, like I, I said it, and everyone's like, uh, I've never heard of that guy. I'm like, yeah, well, pay attention. Yeah, of all players, I was like, I wonder why Tim is so high on Matthew. He Judon. had like eight sacks in like. And he played half the snaps last year. Like he showed a lot of promise. So that's I, I would uh, that's what I saw. Um, also, I really just really good tape. Um, so let's go on to someone else who had. Oh, so Marshall Yonda, uh, he also had really good tape for 13 seasons. One of the better guards in the league. How does this affect the running game for the Ravens? Uh, I mean, the way their offense works, I don't really think it matters that much. I mean, the way they run that option and just the trickery that they do with Lamar Jackson and. Mark Ingram, it's – I don't really think – if any team doesn't need an offensive line, this might sound crazy, I think it's the Ravens just because of the way their offense works. Like, obviously, the better their offensive line is, the better for that team because the more effective the running game, the more holes will open up downfield for Lamar Jackson. But I think they'll be able to replace him all right and not really have to face too much of a decrease offensively. Franchise tag extension is extended to Monday um, because there's not a new CBA in place. <laughs> like a lot of collective bargaining, this one's getting a little sloppy. And so they have to do extensions and this and that and this and that. Right after that, that's when legal tampering begins. So we're going to get a lot of news on who's going where and what's going what and how's going how. And so what do you feel about this franchise tag moving back? Um, I mean, there's nothing really to feel about. But who's the guy that you think is going to get tagged that you'd love to see not get tagged? I guess I'll go with the obvious choice here with A.J. Green. Yeah, for sure. Because sure, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow is exciting, but he's still a rookie QB. I want to see A.J. Green go somewhere, man, where he could really – like imagine like the Jets with A.J. Green. That would be fire. Like if the Jets bolster their offensive line a bit and then maybe they do bring back Robbie Anderson, that could be like a um, – an A.J. Green-Robbie uh, Anderson could be like a Mike Evans-D-Jacks combo. Which might be nice for Sam Darnold, but it's looking like he's definitely going to be franchise tagged by the Bengals. Yeah, so it's going to see. It's going to be interesting to see these holdouts this year because, I mean, we don't even know if franchise tags are going to exist beyond twenty twenty one. So it'll be interesting to see the holdouts or franchise tags in general. Or in a, I don't know whoever thought of it. It's 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 very strange. It's strange, but not for nothing. The dudes cash out. Yeah, and the, it's completely guaranteed. And it's I know weird, it's just a though. one year like, deal. Look. You don't have a choice in the matter. You're playing for us, but we'll give you a lot of money. Like it's it's a little weird. I think it I think it's good for balance. And look, I'm a union guy. I'm all about unions. I I, I believe in them. And I get why late I'm all about labor. 
Like I'm I'm a, I'm a labor over boss type of dude. Um, I get where it's coming from from the labor. You don't want to be forced to be in a certain place. But from just an NFL fan's perspective, it does help keep players in place. It does help. Like you don't want the you don't want it to turn into the NBA, where for years it was just oh I'm friends with this guy I want to play with him blah, blah, blah. we're gonna win championships together blah, blah, blah. like it it kind of prevents that from happening. So I I'm a fan of the franchise tag. I I hate that it's a one year de- a thing. I do, but a lot of people get franchised and then come up with you know long term deals. So sometimes it works out, but um it might have run its, it might have run its course. I don't know about that. Um. Let's go on to Robbie Anderson. So Robbie Anderson uh, said on what, an, 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 some kind of ESPN show, uh, I think they definitely want me back about the Jets. It says, I truly want to be back with the Jets. I love Sam Darnold. I love my teammates. I would hope to finish out the mission all in all, but it's a business. And you hear that a lot from guys these days, but it's a business. Um, and who could blame them? They're trying, to, they're trying to get the most money they can. They have short careers. They are taken advantage of for the most part. So, I mean, Robbie Anderson, what are your feelings about the Jets resigning him? And if he doesn't go to the Jets, where do you think his best fit is? Robbie Anderson is a very important piece to an offense, if used correctly, in my opinion, because those field stretchers can really, like Deshaun Jackson, for example, when he was with the the Eagles, like that offense, when Deshaun Jackson was off the field, it was completely different. Will Fuller's another guy where we talked about it this year, Deshaun Jackson's stats with Will Fuller and without Will Fuller are night and day. Yeah, and even the beginning of last season, just the first three games with John Ross burning downfield, the Bengals' offense actually looked pretty good. Yeah. So, I mean, you could actually have an offense correctly used with a speedster really change the way your offense works. So I think wherever Robbie Anderson uh, ends up, if he's used correctly, he could definitely be a dynamic guy. Like, he's he's never going to be a 100-catch receiver. That's not his game. He's going to go downfield. He's going to be a, a large yard per reception guy, catch a few touchdowns per season. But I think that's that's the thing with the Jets, though. Like, Robbie Anderson, I don't think, is a number one receiver. Like, that's the role he has to use. So if the Jets bring him back to be the number one and don't get him any help, then I don't I don't really think his fantasy stock changes much. Like, his, that his ceiling isn't, like, super high to begin with just because of who he is. Like he is a very talented receiver, but he's not an he's not an AJ Green, for example. Like he's not that stud. So I think going to maybe the Packers or somewhere like that. Like if he's lined up alongside Devontae Adams instead of Marcus Valdez Scantling and Geronimo Allison Marcus, running streaks. MVS should be better than he is. That guy's a giant and that does not use his height well at all. But like MVS and Geronimo Allison, imagine Robbie Anderson running those deep routes instead. Like maybe Aaron Rodgers will actually start throwing downfield again. So I would, I'd like to see him end up there just from a selfish standpoint. Selfishly, I wanted to join the Jets again because I'm a Jets fan and I like Robbie Anderson, but I feel like going to the the Packers would be pretty fun to watch. I like the Texans, man. I think that they should kick Will Fuller to the curb, say, hey, look, dude, But he's it's so over. good when he does play. I mean, it, you, it's he's fast when he plays, but he dropped a lot of targets that were on point. He dropped the most long targets in the league last year. He did have a few drops, but that's—I mean—what do you expect when he's not playing half the game? So I'm saying, sorry, Will. Especially please. when it's your legs, like you can't even like practice deep routes when your legs are hurt. You gotta just sit in a chair and say, "I'm getting better slowly but surely." And that's why I'd say peace to Will. And I would sign Robbie. Well, I don't know—I don't know Will Fuller's contract situation, but if it doesn't make sense financially, why would he possibly get rid of him? Because you need that field stretcher consistency. Um, Imagine right. DeAndre Hopkins, Robbie, and Will Fuller, though. All right, the next one. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport is reporting that the Titans are focused on re-signing Ryan Tannehill long-term. Now, they they were in the Tom Brady sweepstakes for a while, but it seems like he's not going to go there. I can't imagine uh, Tom Brady in Tennessee. So I think they're thinking the same thing. Uh, They want a long-term deal with Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill proved himself last year. Again, we have our stat called true throw value that showed that Ryan Tannehill was the sixth-best quarterback Two years ago, despite being in Miami. Efficiency-wise. Efficiency-wise. And we looked at it and we were like, holy moly, this must mean Adam Gase is a great coach. Um, or it means Adam T- Ryan Tannehill is a great quarterback. And Michael and Jason both hung their hat on it this season. They, they made the bold prediction, and they were not making any bones about it. They said, Marcus Mariota will be benched 
Ryan Tannehill will play. Ryan Tannehill will succeed. They said that in the summer. Yeah. And when no one else literally I didn't that. even think it was a bold call. It just, I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> well, you're the only one. And you and Jason were the only ones. So kudos to you guys. Uh, save Pat in the back for me, all right? And, um, but Ryan Tannehill back to the Titans. What does it mean for the Titans? And do you think this means that Ryan, that Derrick Henry probably returns? Um, I don't know what it means about Derrick Henry. It makes sense for a team to establish their quarterback before going after a running back, of course. Like we've seen time and time again that a quarterback is the most important position on the field. And the way Ryan Tannehill played last year under Mike Vrabel and uh, with the with the weapons that he had, it was it was glorious. I mean, it was fun to watch. The Titans made it to the AFC Championship game when they were not expected to. And sure, Ryan Tannehill is never going to be a top five starting quarterback. No, eh, we never but, know. He was when he was starting last year. But you don't need him to be that when you, uh, f- to win a championship if you're able to get that defense going and if you're able to use that running game like they did with Derrick Henry. I do think it depends a lot and rides a lot on Derrick Henry's return because you can't really run the offense you did yesterday with, excuse me, last year without. Derrick Henry, literally any other running back can't really run that offense the way Derrick Henry did. So they a change of offense would be a little a little rough, I'd say, in the beginning. Maybe it'll take some time to get used to. But I mean Ryan Tannehill, like you said, we've he's shown that he's a very efficient quarterback and that'll get it done for the most part. It's will he win a Super Bowl? Who knows? But he is at least, in my opinion, at the very least a mid tier uh QB and that's pretty hard to find on the street too, so if you're the Titans, why not sign him to a long-term deal and try to get the team around him to make it work? Facts only. Um, speaking of facts only, we are excited. It is guest time. Uh, our guest is Nando Defino. He is a fantasy football and fantasy baseball writer for The Athletic, one of the best publications out there. Um, the only subscription service I've ever subscribed to in my life. And, you know, if you're a fan of old-school baseball articles and football articles and whatever sport articles... This is for you if you're an old school guy like myself. Um, so we're really excited to welcome him in on the Real Recognized Real Hotline. Let's do it. Without further ado, let's get into it. Now coming in on the Real Recognized Real Hotline is a very special guest that I'm going to let Michael introduce for us. Uh, we are ecstatic right now to be welcoming on Nando DeFino. Nando is a fantasy football and fantasy baseball writer and podcaster for The Athletic. He's also a... Board of, he's on the board of directors for the Fantasy Sports Gaming Association, which is where I actually had the pleasure of meeting him during the uh, summer conference. I spotted him when he had about a minute of free time. I Let me tell you, he did not have much free time at all during <laughs> that conference. And he's ever since I met him, we uh, linked up. He took down my email. He's been one of the nicest guys I've spoken to since then. If you play fantasy sports, you probably know his name by now. So thank you and welcome to the show, Nando. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, good to be here. And by the way, like my, my term on the board is off in like uh, a couple weeks. So ah, no, no, uh, <laughs> a little no looser. Return? Yeah. So how does that work? <laughs> do, do, are you are you getting back? Do you run for election? Like how does that work? Yeah, you have. To yeah, you, you run for a three year term, uh, basically. So th- my three years are up, and I just kind of needed like a, at least a year just to kind of like be a, be a person again. <laughs> so. <laughs> The work work was was getting very hectic, and uh, you know, got the baby at home and stuff. So it's kind of like, you know, someone else can do it for a year or two, and then maybe I'll jump back in. Fair enough. Yeah, actually, our our uh, paths have crossed over the last couple of weeks. We're in the same Raz Slam draft. Actually, you got oh, the one pick. I have like the eight pick, I think. And we were both in the same uh, fantasy pros article yesterday for the uh, the tips for drafting. So oh, nice. <laughs> I didn't yeah. even know that came out. Usually I get tagged in that and I just hit the retweet. I didn't even see it came out yet. Yeah, I, uh, I was checking that out yesterday. It came out like 1 p.m. or so, and I saw your name in there. I was like, perfect timing. Here we go. So it's- just to uh, to start, Nando, I was hoping you could uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, like how you got started in the fantasy industry, your role at The Athletic, a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, so it's I mean, it's it's kind of a weird story. I, I started in 04. I worked as a research assistant on this book called Fantasyland. Uh, with this guy, Sam Walker, he's a writer of the Wall Street Journal, and he had this idea like he could win tout wars, kind of like using his connections and going to locker rooms and talking to players and stuff, uh, which was something that, you know, like none of the guys in the league had at that time. Um, so I worked on that book for about a year and a half. And one of the guys who was in the league, we were in tout wars, American League only. That was the league he was writing about. And one of the guys who was in the league was Matthew Berry. Um, 
and Barry was leaving Roto World and starting Talented Mr. Roto. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, I guess he liked how I was writing some emails or whatever, some of the interstitials of the book, and asked me if I wanted to come work at Talented Mr. Roto with him. Wow. So I did, and then from there I went to ESPN, and from there I went to Wall Street Journal when Sam took over Wall Street Journal Sports, and then it all just kind of like kept rolling and rolling until I ended up at The Athletic, basically. It's, you know, 20 years ago I wasn't like, oh yeah, I'll be running a fantasy section when I'm 40. <laughs> so it's been interesting. It's been cool. It's been fun. That is that is very cool. I actually, you and Michael Salfino are the basically the sole reason why I subscribe to the athletic. So yeah. Salfino would love that. that would, I'm going to tell him that. That's awesome. I've had a lot of uh, Twitter interactions with him, but I got to get him on the the pot as well. But yeah, how do those actually, go? How do those usually Twitter interactions with Michael Salfino are not the most pleasant? <laughs> I've, I, I've had I've had not so pleasant <laughs> interactions with Michael. <laughs> I have to say that somehow we end up agreeing on like ninety percent of the things. But, nice. So we kind of have the same mindset when it comes to fantasy. So it's funny in real life he's like the sweetest, nicest guy, and then you see his Twitter like feed, and you're like, "Wow, <laughs> who is this person?" <laughs> Twitter does that to you. I'm I'm the same yeah. way. My Twitter feed is not representative of who I am at all. <laughs> Strange phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> so we are in uh, mid March at this point, so we are a long way away from the season. But you know, it's always fun to recap, and it's fun to. Uh, Think about where you succeeded and where you failed in the previous fantasy season because as much as people want to say they're fantasy gods, everyone's wrong, all right? So are there are any favorite calls or worst calls that you just think of off the top of your head when it comes to the 2019 fantasy football season? Um, you know, I was, well, I remember the good ones. I, I, was, I, was, <laughs> I was spot out. Yoan Mankata, I think I hit early, and you Darvish was looking like a disaster for half a year, and I had him ranked super high. And I, I wrote an article about, like, why I love you Darvish and why you should too. And uh, felt like an idiot. And then second half of the year, he just went nuts, and it all ended up well. Um, I messed up on Yelich. I, I didn't think Yelich was going to continue hitting all those home runs. Like, either the spike in his home run to ground ball rates were – I just I don't know. I just didn't believe it. Um, so I, I, I think I ranked him like 32. So I messed that one up a bit. Um, the rest of the stuff, you know, general ticky-tack stuff. People, I, did, I believe too much in Aaron Judge, and he got hurt. And Giancarlo Stanton, and he got hurt. And – you know, I probably would have done it again this year if, if Judge didn't get hurt early. So uh, I guess maybe I just have a little too much faith in some people. What about football-wise? Any of your favorite calls from the football, fantasy football season? Uh, man, fantasy football is a blur to me. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, so, oh, well, you know, it's, I can't claim this, but we got a guy, Emery Hunt, who writes for us uh, for football. And he was just making these, like, perfect arguments for Lamar Jackson. And it got me like very hard on the Lamar Jackson train. Not like I wasn't like, hey guys, Lamar Jackson. It was more like, listen to Emory Hunt. He makes a lot of good points about Lamar Jackson. So <laughs> I can't claim that one, but I was all over him with Emory. And it was that paid off well for us. Respecting your peers is a uh, big in the fantasy industry. You respecting the right, respecting the right peers is exactly. the big thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's why we call this the real recognize real hotline because uh, there's, a, there's a lot of people out there that if you listen to them, I don't know. You're probably you'll probably lose. Um, but if you listen to us last year, we said a lot about Austin Eckler, and Austin Eckler got himself a big deal, you know, running back money wise uh, from the Chargers, four year deal. Looks like he's going to be the main guy there. And right away, I see a lot of fantasy guys putting him at the end of the first round next year. Um, if you have a chance, if you've had a chance to look into that, are is that something that you're willing to do? Would take Austin Eckler as your RB one uh, with that new deal without Philip Rivers in a Chargers uniform? I don't think so. And it's more like Anthony Lynn. You know what? You put him on the Giants, put him in like Saquon Barkley's role. And yeah, because it's not a talent thing. It's just Anthony Lynn at the combine said something like uh, he likes a two back backfield. Mm. Um, and I think maybe we saw Eckler do really well the start of the season because they knew that Melvin Gordon was coming back. Um, so I don't know. You know, you could use him kind of hardcore for a little bit until Gordon comes back and spells him a little bit. Um, so I can't I can't go that early. I mean, it's you're right. It's without Philip Rivers. Um, yeah, like I, who knows if he can stand the rigor of a full season without some kind of complimentary back with him. And who knows if they're just, maybe they'll sign somebody. There's always a running back out there. They can sign and you could be like, Oh man. Like, you know, like there's that, there's kind of like that guy who used to be good. Ah, uh, I wish you could think of it. Like if Jay Ajayi was still healthy, or like Jordan Montgomery, if they go and sign Montgomery, uh, not Montgomery, um, Jordan Howard. Right. What does that do to Eckler's value? Like, we don't even know. Like, is that just kind of like a backup he's signing? Is that someone who's going to just kill his timeshare? Like, that always happens. Like, right around, like, May or June, some dude steps in 
when you think that this this back who's in there is going to be amazing, yeah. <laughs> someone comes in and they're like, oh, great. Now he's going to take like 35% of the carries and it ruins that whole beautiful scenario that I had. We kind of saw that with Damian Williams last year. Everyone was so happy about Damian Williams and all of a sudden, Shady McCoy, they draft a running back and he gets hurt and all of a sudden Damian Williams falls off the face of the earth. Until that's it. it. And then he can't what counted. Until the playoffs, of course, because that's what Damian yeah. Williams does. <laughs> Is there a, when it comes to the free agency, Austin Eckler already signed, but there's still a bunch of uh, current free agents, guys like Melvin Gordon, Jameis Winston, Tom Brady. Is there a certain landing spot that you really want to see one of these guys go to just from a fantasy perspective? Um, you know, not really. I, I mean, I'd love to see Brady go uh, somewhere there, like Miami just to cause some oh, kind of chaos and see what happens. That would be something. I don't think that'll, I mean, that would be amazing if it happened. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I would just, just something that will cause some chaos and have a good storyline. I don't, for me, like it's, it's first, like my, my brain is still so much in baseball that I haven't really dug in as much as I should, but also like when it happens, it happens. And I think they'll form someone who's that good. They can form some, some plays around them, some teams around them, stuff like that. So I, you know, I just kind of go with the flow wherever they go. I'm happy. So speaking of fantasy baseball, uh, we're a, mostly a fantasy football podcast, although Michael does uh, contribute the baseball stuff. Michael's one of the best fantasy players I know in baseball. Uh, oh. But oh. What, would, what would you describe as the biggest difference between fantasy football and fantasy baseball in, ter- in terms of how you approach um, the draft? If anyone is listening here that might be you know, toying with the idea of getting into fantasy baseball. Uh, so fantasy baseball, I think you could take a lot more risks because you have so many more players. I mean, if you balance your risk with, like, your base, it's great. Uh, you can reach for a guy you love, and, you know, if you reach for him six rounds earlier, you're, you're like, okay, no big deal, whatever. I had to fill that spot. Football, you can't do that, man. Football, you kind of got to stick to, like, a plan. I mean, the plan's going to go awry a bunch of times, but, like, you can't take as many risks. You can't, you know, make as many jump picks as you want. Um, I also think baseball is a lot easier for auctioning. I love football auctions. But that's a lot of money for not a lot of positions, so those values can be totally skewed. You know, one draft guy can go for seventy bucks, and next could go for fifty-one, and that changes everything. Uh, you know, baseball you got a lot more players, and you know it's, it just seemed like there's a, a more controlled amount of spending you can do. Um, also, you could probably do, I mean, if you go to a football draft, you could do a drunk man. It's a lot. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if this is helpful advice, but like, you don't have to go in there with hundred percent of your brain. If you if you come prepared with a list, you can just work off that list and then fill in some blanks along the way. For baseball, you, you're going to have a lot of regret if you do that, I think. You know, I, I actually agree with you there because I've already done, like, double-digit, just like a best ball fantasy uh, fantasy baseball drafts. Yeah. And those live drafts, man, after, like, they just – it creep it catches up on you if you don't have your cue set and these guys that you're looking at because you could just out of nowhere draft some guy and be – and then see, like, four more guys on your list that you would have preferred to have and be like, damn, there goes my uh, – there goes my guys that I wanted to grab. I saw you grab Jesus Aguilar, of course, in like the 27th round or so. Yeah, well, dude, you know what? So I'm, do, I'm doing the Raz Slam. I'm in the uh, Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. Uh, we're doing an athletic cut line. And then I'm in a best ball, and we're doing a draft champions. And so I don't like – you probably know this. If you're doing like 10 in a, at the same time, you, you, I got so many emails. I got so confused. You start to lose track of the roster a little bit. Um mm-hmm. So I had to like after about the tenth round, I just started setting my queue like hardcore, like super deep, um, and I, I figured out like I can just wait on these first basemen. So I left it blank for a while, went after pitchers, makes sense. And yeah. now I'm attacking the positions. I, I was also I'm in the TGFBI as well and the athletic subscriber cut line. So we're in a lot of drafts. Oh, yeah, so you know you you're yeah. going through the same thing. Like <laughs> yeah. there are too many emails. <laughs> it, it really can get a uh, pretty overwhelming when it comes to drafting the, that many teams at that many times. By the way, I get this. So the, the whole time you were writing to me, I thought this was B Roto, but it's Brodo. It's Brodo because it's uh, yeah. brother. Yeah, I know, well, the brother. <laughs> yeah, now I introduced the brother. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. We've actually <laughs> we didn't think about that when we created the name, and then we started getting more people saying B Roto, and I'm like, guys, yeah, it's Brodo. B R O. Yeah, <laughs> that's the. But that's Maybe why we capitalize the B and R. Maybe like that probably, it to, but that's what kind of makes it be Roto now that I think about it. Yeah, that's right. Well, if you put your like, maybe you put your faces in the O's to show off that you're brothers, you know, get like a caricature of the two O's, one in each. Like, oh, they're brothers, Brodo. And we got another guy who's his twin, so we could put the twins in there. Yeah, we look very much alike. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, back to uh, the fantasy football draft strategy is something yeah. that really is just it. It differs from someone saying, I draft four running backs to start each year to 
I'm completely zero running back, and I wait till to grab a running back in round six, seven. Is there a certain strategy when you draft your fantasy football teams that you prefer, or do you just kind of go with the flow depending on your draft slot and who's available? Yeah, it's it's more of the latter, and I, I know it's kind of like a cop out, but it's it's just kind of like when I'm in that draft, I, so like I'm like, all right, this is the I'm gonna do it, man. I'm gonna draft like three running backs, and then a wide receiver will fall, and I'm kind of stuck like with a value, you know, like a value pick, or like it's like Kelsey will fall, and I'll grab Kelsey. So uh, I go in with an idea of what I want to do, and like a perfect world. But I mean, you got, everyone probably understands like you're in a league with your friends, and you have like those two guys who are just they don't make any sense with what they do. And it's just values are totally like, you know, in, in a vacuum, it's amazing. In mock drafts and the, you know, the fantasy pros, like super fast draft. Sure. You know, you can, you can go in with a plan, but like when the chips are down for like your $150 league with your friends, it's just chaos. So mm-hmm. I've, I've just kind of learned, like, just grab the value where I can. And at least I can trade in these leagues and, and make some moves if things go awry. It's, it's funny you bring that up because we have a friend who we made fun of constantly for like years because of this. Was it two or three years ago? Whenever Paul Perkins was the starting running back for the Giants. Yeah, oh, I loved it. That, talk about a big miss. That <laughs> yeah. was one of my humongous misses, Paul Perkins. <laughs> he drafted uh, Paul Perkins and Fat Rob Kelly rounds like three and four. And wow. we just, we've been letting him have it for years since because that was one of the worst teams ever in our, in our, <laughs> in our main home league. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? Because like, I remember having Paul Perkins. He, I mean, he was like my fifth or sixth. But still, like, I'm like, Orleans Darkwood isn't going to be, like, the starting running back for the Giants. Like, even if you had Perkins, you were still, like, you just, it was such a weird situation to believe in anyone who was running for the Giants that season. Yeah. Um, speaking about running backs, uh, you we see one of the main wrenches that is thrown in any draft at any time is rookies. And in this rookie draft, I've seen as many as 13 wide receivers go in the first round in some of these uh, drafts. And you're thinking about... This, especially compared to last year, um, when there was, I think, two wide receivers in the entire first round. And what kind of impact do you think that rookie wide receivers are going to have on this fantasy season this year? And are there any that stand out to you as no matter where they end up, I'm drafting that guy? Uh, maybe Jerry Judy. But you know what? I think, I think with what happened last year, uh, with, with like all the rookie wide receivers having success, and that's kind of never happened before. I think yeah. actually it was Selfino who wrote something about that. Um, it's I think it's just going to pump up their value so much because everyone's like, oh, you know, it's a new era where the rookie wide receivers learn the playbooks faster and they come in prepared and they understand, you know, how, how big of a deal this is. Um, Pendulum's always got to swing the other way back because, you know, if, if this keeps happening, the league's going to be so young at wide receiver and so star heavy with guys who are like 24 years old. Uh, there's not going to be room. You know what I mean? Like these guys, if they're that talented to do that well in their first year, um, you know, there's, uh, these youngsters who keep coming up aren't going to have a spot. So uh, when this tends to happen, I like to go the other way. And I would say, like, you know, I'm probably going to stay away from all of them because of the draft helium uh, and, kind of, you know, maybe stick with the, the tried and trues, maybe get A.J. Green value, whatever his deal is, stuff like that. Um, because usually if people go gaga over these young receivers, they're kind of forgetting about, like, post-type sleepers or, like, fourth-year guys who are ready to break out, uh, stuff like that. So I honestly don't know. I, I I'm probably going to be off all of them because I'm just, I guess, kind of like a minor contrarian to that degree. How much does the the combine affect your scouting of a player? Because you're going into this season, and rookies are always the X factor, especially rookie running backs are always the X factor. If you, if you drafted a guy like Josh Jacobs, you were probably great. If you drafted a guy like David Montgomery, you probably regretted that very, very much, right? So these rookie running backs, you don't really have anything to base anything on besides their college tape and the combine. So obviously college tape speaks for itself, but how much do you take the combine into consideration when considering where to draft a guy? Man, honestly, I don't at all. Like, yeah, uh, I not to go back, go back to Emory hunt. Like he wrote this story for us. Um, three things he'd like to change. And I don't mean, I'm not doing this like to plug the site, but it's like, I just like I rely on him. So like, I'll put it this way. When, they, when they hired me, uh, he was like the, one of the first phone calls I made was Emory hunt. Like, because his, his point of view on things is he's a scout. He played college ball. He, he like goes to the small games and he commentates for the small school games. So he knows everybody. Like he was, he was talking up Tariq Cohen his rookie year. Um, and so he was saying like, you know, like one of the things I would change is I would put uh, the receivers in pads because there's a difference between like turning your head around and the timing when you have pads on than if you're just not wearing anything. And they're like these small little details that the combine's missing. Um, and I guess the CFL does that. They put them in pads. So you get a better idea of 
how well the guy can turn while he's in pads and when he's in game mode. Um, and the same thing with the running backs on the run of the 40. He's like, you know, in a real game, there's like another level. Someone's chasing you. You're trying to evade tacklers and stuff. Like how many times do you see someone run a straight line? And if you looked at like next gen stats last year, you know, the top game speeds, a lot of them belong to defensive players. So um, I don't put a lot of, it's fun. Like I love it. I just don't put a lot of stock in it because it's just not like a game situation. And sorry to be like all like scout haughty like that, but I, I'm the Bible of Emory Hunt, man. It's, it's <laughs> that's what I follow. No, I, I mean I agree with you, man. I I just the combine because you got guys like that kill the combine, like DK Metcalf and David Montgomery, who was super impressive in the combine last year, and like. But you knew who the better best players were because they put the best college tape out. And these people who are like, I'm going to draft this guy because he you know put up thirty. You can put up 225 30 times, like, all right, cool. But, you know, is he going to produce for me fantasy-wise? So I agree with you, man. I just think it's overrated. And a lot of these fantasy – like, if you're an NFL guy, yes, cover cover that process. But right. if you're a fantasy guy, like, what – there's really no well, – because you got nothing else – I mean, what else are you going to write right, about right, in exactly. February and March? Exactly. You know, exactly. you get, you got a month until the draft – a month and a half until the draft. You, you got to do something, right? It's the off-off season right now, that's for sure. Exactly. We, we've always Might as well said cover that, the combine. Right. But we've always said, like, we've, uh, we've always – we have a lot of success draft, drafting rookies, and we say it's because we don't have any bias towards these guys. Like, there's some fantasy football players who just watch college football every Saturday. We're not college football guys. We start watching tape, like, in April. Like, and that's when we start to get to learn these guys. So we have no biases at all towards them. We just learn how they play. We see their landing spot, which is the biggest, uh, which is the biggest, biggest for their fantasy appeal. And so we don't fall in love with guys like Joe Mixon, who keeps getting overdrafted year after year, and we just keep letting him get drafted, overdrafted year after year. Year, so that's a uh, that's how we look at it too. Because DK Metcalf ran a three cone, right, slower than Tom Brady or something, and people thought that was gonna matter, <laughs> as right. if he's not some ginormous beast. So that that just uh, I find that a little funny too. Right. And people, I mean, they discount these guys as, as people who can actually learn in season. Like if right. you saw DK Metcalf's route tree from, you know, week one to week 15, it was incredible. Like the progressions that he made and how much he learned, or maybe he knew it all and he just couldn't, you know, translate it yet. But like, they're not static guys, you know, they, they can grow a little bit in the season too. Something I wanted to ask you as well, uh, cause there, I don't know if you, you don't draft this early, do you? <laughs> no, I haven't. I, I've got a, I'm, I'm basically on baseball until, end of may actually we'll actually start of may because we launch football in june so yeah start of may and That's, then jake we like our other guys are doing football i just kind of mm-hmm. ping them if i need anything because <laughs> the ffpc there's uh, some people out there already drafting like right after the super bowl so there's some diehards out there already drafting i want to know when you like to start uh kicking the boots with some drafts because you can get an advantage if you start drafting early but you could also get an advantage if you start drafting during Labor Day, say, when uh, just some ADP skyrocket and you get to take advantage of people overpaying or people underpaying for value because guys, you know, they're just the cute picks and things of that sort. So when do you like to start doing some drafts? I'll go probably right, probably after Memorial Day, actually. I'll, I'll start doing some best balls. I think best balls like the perfect format. Clear some cobwebs because you're doing what is essentially, I mean, you're still playing to win, but you're still kind of doing essentially a mock uh, for, you know, 10 bucks. So... And with people who have also invested, it's not like you're going in the mock draft room of one of the sites. You're actually going with some people who have some skin in the game. So I'll put like 30 bucks down for like three of those. Just to like, and I won't do three at the same time. I'll do one and then two and then three, just to kind of get into a rhythm and see who's where and like, you know, where they're going, who people are liking, what the teams are looking like. So I would say right around 1st of June, I'll start doing some mocking and some best balling. We are fans of Joe Burrow here. He looks right. like he's going to be the number one pick. Um, what kind of impact do you think Joe Burrow will have if he does get uh, does get drafted to the Cincinnati Bengals on that Cincinnati Bengals, uh, you know, wide receiver core, running back core, et cetera? If Green does get franchise tagged and plays, he's gonna. I think. That, well, I think he's gonna. Maybe he'll be like a Jared Goffey, like kind of mm-hmm. like a whatever first year, and then just like blows up maybe the second, and then you know hits a level where he's. Oh wait, maybe he blew up. He blew up the third. I can't remember anymore. Yeah, second second yeah. year was his blow, up, and the third year was his. I, I like I like his coat. Like I like Zach. I'm a believer in Zach Taylor, and I think his system will eventually be good. Um, so I think I, I mean I wouldn't expect much the first year, but I think as they build a team around him and kind of play it to his strengths and stuff, 
um, he'll get to that. He'll be Jared Goff, basically. I think. Um, I don't know. That's a tough team. To, that team has been so mismanaged and just like doldrum-y and just kind of like you know, 500-y, missing playoff-y that it's just to, to wipe that stench away. Um, <laughs> it's going to take a lot more than Joe Burrow. But, I mean, it's it's that's what the Rams were before Goff got there. Very and true. they kind of retooled the whole thing. Yeah. And they got rid of their – like I, I always called, I always called Jeff Fox like Jeff Fisher. Jeff, uh, no, Jeff Fisher. Oh yeah, Jeff Fox too was on in that list. He's like Marvin Lewis. They, they they're like cousins. They're like yeah. they're the same dude. It's yeah. crazy. I'm sure very nice guys probably, but like you know, just at a certain point, they just kind you just get bogged down, you know? Like, right. Exactly. Yeah. Any concern about Joe Burrow's hand size? It came in a little <laughs> small. I don't. He, this guy over here, actually thinks that it. matters. I don't really care about it at all. As a as a person <laughs> with a good arm and small fingers, I understand what it could do for you. <laughs> for yeah, real. but I mean, look how much success he already had on a major stage. That's very true. With those small hands. Yeah, I don't know. So no concern. No me. concern for me. It worries me. Of uh, course it does. Um. So not to change the subject from football because the people again listening are probably doing listening for football, but. You sure. said you're in, uh, you're in baseball mode. So if people are there out there listening, uh, for baseball, uh, I want you to give out some of your sleepers if you don't mind on in these baseball drafts that you're looking at in these late rounds that you think could really blow up this year. Jesus Aguilar. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, well, Julio Urias, one of my favorites. I think he's uh, he showed some flashes of it last year. He's gonna be awesome. I think he's he's got a role locked down for the Dodgers, which is a pretty big deal considering how good they're supposed to be. Um, he'll be pushed back a little bit in the rotation and get some easier opponents on the other side too. Uh, so he's huge. Uh, Jesus Aguiar, I love. I think he's going to return to form. Um, I actually got a, like a a few guys on that Marlins team. And Lewis Brinson, I love. I think Lewis Brinson's got like 25, 25 potential, maybe more like 25, 20 potential, but he had a really high on-base percentage in the minors. And, uh, you know, he's, he's bombed so far in the majors, but I think with James Rousen as the hitting coach and the fences being moved in a little bit, Another year of maturity, like all that stuff. Um, Greg Bird, I like Greg Bird. I, you know, he's got a tremendous on base percentage, which again, like, I, I, not like I'm playing in these leagues, but like, I think when you show that skill, the coaches and the way baseball is being played, they tend to like you more because you're showing you have patience and you can take a pitch and whatever. Uh, so I think Bird, if he's finally healthy, is going to somehow squeeze into that lineup at some point, maybe in like June. Um, and Jose De Leon, I, I'm in love with. I don't think, I mean, I don't think he's going to have a major impact until June or July. I think they're going to send him down or he'll be in the bullpen for a bit, but he's too good, man. Jose De Leon is going to be nasty this year. He's kind of like and the since, forgotten man. He dude, that's exactly what he is. Like it's it's everyone forgot. Like he was a top I think he was like a top 30 prospect twice. Had like an 11k per 9 in the minors, low ERA, low whip, and the dude got hurt. And now he's back. And the pitching coach for the Reds is this guy who's like supercharged everybody for strikeouts. Like, all the way down to, like, Kevin Gaussman in the bullpen had, like, a 12K per nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's in, like, the perfect place. Jose De Leon's going to be awesome. You're not a little worried about a, a inning limit for Julio Urias? I mean, if he does, he does. But, I, I, I mean, I could see him doing 160 with, like, either, like, a fake 15-day IL stint uh, in the middle of the year, like, off of the All-Star break. Mm. Uh, you know, or, like, you know, six-man rotation for a little while. But, no, I, I mean... If the limit's 160, I'm sure they'll find a way to get him 160, and it'll be like an amazing 160. But uh, hitting in those numbers last year, and this is this is not make me like Urias at all, but that suspension, I'm pretty sure he was pitching. Uh, I, I asked one of our writers. I think he was extended spring training or something like that when he was suspended. So he, he got these innings that aren't showing up in his line uh, <laughs> while he was suspended for domestic violence. That's, so, that's uh, very yeah, interesting, actually. Say with a hung head, but I mean, like he's, his skill is, you know, you got to separate at some point, I guess, Damn. how good of a, he is on the field and off the field. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think you're you're promoting domestic violence if you draft. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I'm like, very <laughs> clear. Dude, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's all right. This is just in fantasy baseball terms. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So you hit us with some uh, sleepers. Are there any uh, early round busts that like? Because there's always some guys where you do a few drafts and then you realize. Turns out I'm ending up with zero shares of this guy, whether it be because you don't like him this year or whether it be because his ADP is a little too steep for you. Are there a couple guys like that for you? Uh, you know, I haven't noticed that yet. Usually there's like there, there's a handful of players I'm staying like Adalberto Mondesi I'm staying away from. But I think everyone else is because the shoulder, it's going to sap his power a little bit. And I think he's not going to be able to slide head first into bases. Um, all the Astros I'm kind of off on. 
I'm a little bit more on Altuve than other people. I think Altuve is going to keep dropping and dropping uh, because people are just mad about it. But if really, I'm not so sure about the buzzer thing, but I do believe he didn't use a trash can system. You can see that, like how few bangs he got in the charts. Um, I don't know. Like I, there's, I wish I could figure out that stupid buzzer thing. Yeah. And why he wouldn't take his shirt off. Yeah. Uh, I would like it because because the trash can thing is real. That trash can thing is for real. <laughs> I, I wonder. I wonder if he says he got a tattoo. Like who said he like show us a tattoo. There's yeah, a, right? he has a tattoo. I he think has a they, tattoo. There's there? a picture of like a, on a cruise or something where he had the tattoo. Interesting. I don't know. It's, it's but I mean like nice... all right, maybe he got a tattoo of like a vagina. <laughs> and like and just come out and say, you know, like you can't don't take this off. This is TV and I'm not supposed to be a nice guy. You know what I mean? Like maybe there's something bad and it wasn't ugly and they just, you know. I'd be okay with that. What is really I believe in him not using the trash can and I think he's still good. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that whole Astro situation? Um there's been a lot of like mixed feelings. I know a lot of Astros fans are happy with what happened. Every uh, seems everyone else is pretty pissed off about the to the commissioner, especially calling the the uh, the World Series trophy just a hunk of metal. Um, what are your thoughts about the Astros? Do you think like if you were the commissioner, what would you have done? Um, well, you know, I think he did most everything in his power. Like, I mean, he he fined them as much as he could. He took away some pretty hardcore draft picks for a team that kind of prides itself on their draft picking. Um, I don't know if you could take away the World Series because, like, you didn't do it. Well, maybe you can for the Red Sox. That Red Sox investigation hasn't come out yet. And, I mean, they they technically – the only evidence he had on the Astros, and I get him not hurting the players because you had to get answers because then you know who else is doing it and how. Like, if you didn't give them immunity, there's no way they would have talked because then what are you going to suspend George Springer for 80 games, suspend Correa for 80 games, uh, and they weren't going to say anything. And so you wouldn't have any kind of proof, so he'd be stuck with nothing, basically. Um but I think maybe, like, it's as fair as it could have been. I would say that. Like, and they let it handle internally. And these guys, I think, are going to get hurt. I'm pretty – like, there are a couple of guys coming up for free agency in the next couple of years. I know Springer's one of them, I think, after 2021. I mean, the way he gets booed and, like, people just not wanting him and maybe he's a locker room cancer. Like, you see these guys who were on these Houston teams who went to other teams and you read these stories about how kind of, like, he had to apologize to his teammates and you know, explain things to his new teammates – um, I don't think by the time these guys hit free agency that they're going to be free and clear from that. And if you're, you know, the Mariners and George Springer shows up, you might just be like, no, thanks, man. I want you to destroy my locker room because you're going to have to answer to this every single game. It's, um, inter- it's interesting, too, because George Springer, if, you, if he would have hit the free agent market, you could see him getting a $200, 300000000 million deal easily. Yeah, I mean, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But, I mean, maybe there's something. I just think that Manfred had faith that, like, the fans will take care of it. Uh, you know, that like other players will take care of it. Like everyone else is going to take care of it. It's going to be hell for the Astros for at least this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm okay with that. I'm interested to see what he does with the Red Sox because the Red Sox cheated after being told not to cheat anymore. You know, like 2017 was kind of whatever, and they said they didn't pass the message down to the clubhouse, and I don't know. But the Red Sox, you know, did it a second time. You know, after the first time they got caught with the Apple Watches, they still did it. So, I, I think they're going to come down hard on them. I don't know who they're going to come down hard on because I don't know who's still there, but like, I think that one's going to be bad. Yeah, I mean, Alex Cora, who knows when he'll ever coach again. Or get oh, on TV. Know. He had a really good TV career before. But to go from Houston to Boston to just bring it over is uh, is pretty rough. Carlos Beltran, yeah. too. Carlos Beltran was gonna was looking like the, the new hot shit manager, and all of a sudden he's probably out of baseball for a while. Yeah, these guys. Yeah, I bet you they're gonna have to do some serious, like rehab, like tons of charity work. Like you're gonna see like stuff like that, right? Like if A Rod can do it, anyone can do it. Oh, A Rod P Rose, yeah, the yeah. beloved Fox analyst now. So sure, why not? Yeah, that's great. Barry Bonds is slowly creeping up, although he's been talking about how like he wants to be accepted he back said, in baseball. He just said that he's like he feels like he's exiled. Yeah. Rich. Well, speaking yeah. of exiled, we are not <laughs> um, exiling the real from here. We only have the real. Um, Thank you so much for coming on. I want to I want to thank you personally because I got a journalism degree in 2011 and that was the height of uh the recession and that's when newspapers and print journalism was really going out of fashion and everything was switching over to to online media. And I had a really hard time uh switching over and I ended up going the podcast route and I, the Athletic really brings a sports page that I love that I used to read every day and it brings it to the 21st century in a readable way. And it's because of you guys, it's because of the guys that put in the work. So I just wanted to thank you personally, just from a personal standpoint oh. with you guys and the whole athletic man. Thanks, man. I have very little to do with that from the fantasy side, but I'll take it. 
I'll let him know. <laughs> I mean, I, I love the fantasy. <laughs> I'll let the real writers know. <laughs> well, the fantasy articles will count too. Before you go, talking about fantasy, I know you guys always do a uh, stats to know before your draft, with like a list of ten stats or something of that sort. Yeah, check yeah, out it's Brodo. Check out BrodoFantasy.com when it comes football time, man. My brother Jason, who's not here today, created a a stat called True Throw and True Target Values, which we've used the last couple of years. It quantifies the worth of a target and a pass attempt. It's been uh, it's been our like secret weapon for us and our listeners. Oh, nice! Yeah. Oh, that's awesome! All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. so uh, I'll check it out. I mean, like Michael said, if you're into fantasy football, if you're into fantasy baseball, you probably know where to find you already. But if you yep. can just plug whatever where to find you, um, yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, uh, you check out theathletic.com/fantasy. It's all pretty much there. Uh, you know, you can click on like any article, and there's some ma- like a, a massive discount you can get. I don't happen to know. I don't happen to know off the top of my head, but. Find an article, you get a big discount. It's that's how it works usually for the first time if you're there. Twitter, um, yeah, I'm there all the time. What's that's your, my life. <laughs> should give him your Twitter handle. Oh, Nando Defino. It's N A N D O D I F I N O. One of the best. So, one of the best. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. thank, thank you so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. We really, really anytime, anytime. And it, dude, I'm sorry it took so long to finally like click and get it, uh, but we did. So I'm happy. No problem, man. Uh, thank you so much again, and uh, yeah, with that. That's right. We bid you adieu. See ya. All right. That was the Real Recognized Real Podcast. I mean, sorry, Hotline. Um, cool dude, man. I never met him before, but Michael obviously is familiar with him. Cool dude, man. Yeah, I'm a big big fan of his work. And just as a human, he's always been very, very kind in the short time that I've gotten to know him. So, Which is something you can't say about every single person in the fantasy landscape. No, absolutely. Yeah, he was... Uh, <laughs> he was it stood out how nice he was <laughs> at the uh, fantasy sports conference. Great, 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 yeah. So I mean, again, if you don't know, Michael works for a, a big fantasy football company. Um, so that's how they got together, and you know, people helping people. So we're gonna have more athletic writers. It looks like coming shortly. Um, we got a special guest for you next week as well on our Thursday episode. This one came out a little earlier because you know we make time for guests who are we're real, real, exactly <laughs> the real, recognized, real hotline, but. Um, of course, you could find us on Twitter, Michael, at Mike. Excuse me, Brodo. I keep getting confused. Brodo FF Mike and Brodo FF Jason the Fine Jason at Brodo FF Tim for me. See what we did there. Wow. And you can go to alwaysbrotofantasy.com for the hub. If you want to contribute to our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/brotofantasy, we have tons and tons of extras for you there. That is it. For this episode, we're going to be coming to you again with a Patreon episode. So if you're a subscriber, you'll get a second episode this week. If not, oh, yeah. then you will not. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, that's it. Peace out. Later.